Colossians chapter number two. Look at verse three. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's a comprehensive statement. Talking about Christ. Um, in whom are hid all, not some, most, or many, but all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now we're going to run up on that thought a couple of times in this chapter, in verse number 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and or through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Well, Paul was being polite, wasn't he? <laughs> Spitting him up and chewing him out, as old saying goes. Wonder why anybody would want to beguile us. Why do they want to do that? The devil is interested in causing as much disharmony and damage as he possibly can. And he wants people to go to hell. He doesn't want you to honor God, doesn't want you to worship the Lord. And uh, in some ways, when we get saved, we, we get new battles, ones we didn't have before. Uh, but the good news is you're not fighting alone. You know, maybe some of us guys with our to toxic masculinity remember being in a fist fight or two at school or somewhere else, and maybe there was more than one of them and just one of you. That's a bad feeling when you're outnumbered. But God in one person makes a majority. You'll never have to worry about him having your back, so to speak. In verse 6, he said, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, we've dealt with this, I think, the, the week, uh, two weeks ago. But walk with him as ye have received him, being totally sufficient. He's everything we need. As being totally satisfying. Don't want anything else. I got a, 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 a record uh, Brother Dewey Whitfield's in my office the other day, and he, he looked up on my bookshelf, and he said, "Is those vinyl records? And I said, yes, sir, they are. I just don't have anything to play them on. Uh, but I, I've got some really good uh, things on there, different singing groups, different sermons, and different things that are, that are on there. And uh, this idea of being totally satisfied, that's, that's a common theme in, in good music that we're totally satisfied with Christ. We don't need something else. Uh, I, I don't need anything else other than Christ. As being totally secure, that's good news. We're garrisoned about. 1 Peter chapter number 1. So we're going to walk with Him. Walk has the idea of follow, to be occupied with, to make due use of opportunities to conduct one's life in a certain manner. We're going to walk with Him. Uh, we're, we're to do it as good students. In verse number 2, uh, the idea to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. As good children, seeking treasure in Christ instead of in the world. Listen, the world will satisfy you, but only for a moment or two. 
only for a moment or two. The intensity of, of joy that the world offers is very passing. Uh, you know, people get addicted to this stuff called crack. It's cheap to make and easy to find, and they smoke it. And usually the first time a person smokes crack, they get addicted. Uh, there's a few who don't, uh, but the average testimony is, first time I did it, I was hooked. And the things of this world that, that give joy, what happens when a person is addicted to a drug, they're no longer taking it to feel good, they're taking it so they won't feel bad. And they're looking for that ultimate high. They want to get back to that first time that they, they did that drug and had that whatever the effect that it was upon them, and they never can find it. And it becomes their religion. They chase it just like a Christian ought to chase Jesus Christ. difference is he lets us catch him. Amen. We're to be rooted in him in verse number 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord shall walk in him rooted and built up in him. The idea of being rooted is, is uh, causing a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. Uh, Shane they sent me a lot of pictures and different things from China at different times. I remember they were building an, an apartment building. They'd cut out on the side of a hill or a mountain there, and, and they had built this apartment building, had cars parking up under it, and it was several stories tall. The whole building just slid away and fell off. Why? The foundation wasn't proper. They didn't dig it deep enough or else they were in soft ground. And it just, I'm talking about the entire building just started sliding away and fell over on one side and slid down the hill. I hope nobody was inside. <laughs> That'd be a rough ride. But we must be rooted. And if we're not rooted, we will be beguiled. We will be shifted. We will be changed. We live in a, a day when people argue, or Christians, in, at least in mental arguments, uh, do, I need to, do I need to do this, or do I need to do that? Do I need to stop this, or begin to do that? And when we talk about separation from the world, some folks skinch up all over. But the idea of separation uh, in, in married life is wonderful. You're separated unto your wife. You cleave, that's normally a word for separating, but it, you, you cleave unto your wife, which means you're separated from the rest of the world. And as a Christian, we're to enjoy our separation unto God and don't worry about what's getting dropped off by the wayside. The baubles and toys of human life only last for a very short period of time. You get a brand new car and it smells new till the kids get in it and eat cheeseburgers one time and leave a pack of french fries under the, the front seat. We're to be rooted, grounded, established, Knowledge of a sure salvation that you know for sure you're saved allows us to be rooted and to walk. Those are two separate statements. Something that's rooted doesn't move. But then he said walk. We're to be established in Christ. As he moves, we move. He's the rock upon which we stand. We receive him by faith, then we walk by faith. The scripture says, tells us we walk in love, Ephesians 5, 2. We walk in worthiness, Ephesians 4, 1. We walk as children of light, Ephesians chapter 5. We walk in truth, 3 John verse 4. We walk in wisdom, Colossians 4 and verse 5. We walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5 and verse 6, 
16 and verse 25, and then we walk in Him. That's where our, our movement is to be. We're to walk with a wary eye, exercising discernment. There are certain times of the year it's not safe to be in the woods. There's these things called copperheads, and they like to bite, or at least that's their defense mechanism. And I know I remember some guy saying, you don't have to worry about you know, copperhead snakes. They'll run from you. No, they don't. I've been around enough of them. No, they ain't interested in running from you. If you see them, they've already seen you. You might bank on it, and they're zeroed in. And so it's unsafe to go in the woods. But if you're going hunting, something in the woods you need to be doing, what do you do? You, you look. Got your head on a swivel. You're looking around. That's how we as Christians are supposed to walk in this world with our head on a swivel, with our eyes up. When, when they teach self-defense training, one of the first things they teach you is that when you meet somebody walking, don't dip your head. And you watch people on the sidewalk, they're going like this, and they'll meet somebody. Drop that head. I don't know if they just not want to make eye contact, but it's just almost an automatic reflex. And if you dip your head like that, you become a target. And so we want to keep our, our eyes up, our heads up with our eyes open. Physically, how much more so spiritually should we be aware and alert? We don't have paganism like they had it in Paul's day. We've got it worse. Paul never met a Muslim in his life. Amen. And here we are, got a billion and a half people in the world who profess to be uh, members of Islam. Who knows what Islam, the word Islam means? Who, let me see how many hands you know what the word means. It means peace. But it's not a religion of peace. Not at all. We want to be safe from the seducer. That's what it says. Let any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. We don't want to be spoiled. The word spoiled means to be led away violently. To be carried away as, as booty, B-O-O-T-Y. First uh, Corinthians, excuse me, First Timothy uh, chapter 6 and verse 20. Look over there in First Timothy for just a minute. We'll pick up a way the, the world's trying to deceive us. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust... Avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. It's very apparent to our government that science is whatever they decide it is. Uh, they make up their mind, this is science and this is the way to go. The picture I think I see there, though, is an educational picture. I remember when they started teaching evolution in the, in the public schools. I was in the public school, seventh grade. And my, we, it was all a buzz in the school, you know, about all this going to be teaching evolution. And the science professor I had was a deacon in the Southern Baptist Church that I attended at the time. And he said, I have to teach this. He said, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. We've gone from that to saying if you're a Christian and you believe anything else, you're an idiot. He was apologizing for what he was being forced to teach. And today in the average school, the teachers 
look down on you if you say you're an immediate creationist, you believe in a young earth. I believe the earth's between six and 8,000 years old. And that's just allowing for some, probably closer to six than it is eight, but it's not, the earth is not billions of years old. Well, you don't believe the science. Yeah, I do. I just believe the science isn't it, saying what you said it's saying. Science falsely so-called. People are born gay. That's, that's a scientific statement. It's an untrue statement because people are not born gay. Just like people are not born atheists. They make themselves to be that. It's, a, it's a, a decision. It may be an unconscious decision. It may be the result of, of how they're brought up and how they're raised, but they still make that decision. Now, by the way, let me be very quick to, to say this. We do not hate people who are LGBTQIA+. We're, we're not going to hate them. They need Christ. And they can be saved just like anybody else can be saved. So we're, pastors, not, I'm not trying to call them bad names. And, and if you have somebody in your family, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But they were not born that way. They're, that's a sin that they're living in. It's a sinful lifestyle. Just like if you had a man and a woman shacked up together. It's a sin. And we, have to, we can't be swayed by those things. Some philosophers rule out God and wind up teaching atheism. Unaware that they've become a religion with a biased viewpoint rather than a study of life and its difficulties. That's exactly where they go. Pick up with verse number 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, See, he, in verse 8, he's warned, you know, being beguiled again there with that philosophy, vain deceit, rudiments of the world, not after Christ. I don't have to have something physical for me to worship God. I don't need a picture on the wall of Jesus, you know, kneeling and praying in the garden. I don't have to have a picture of him hanging on the cross. As a Christian, I don't have to have those things. Now, if you have some pictures at your house and stuff, I'm not trying to throw off on you, but I'm just saying we don't use them as tools of worship. They're not, we, you don't see them in the building here anywhere. Why? Because we don't believe in that. We have Christ himself. I, do, I don't want to worship some idol or statue or give my honor to a piece of, of uh, pottery or something else. I want to give my honor to God and worship him. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, the Bible says, in him. And ye are complete. Now notice, he's complete, and so are we. We're going to dig down right there for a minute or two. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2 verse 7. He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow things in heaven and things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But that verse 7 in Philippians 2 made himself of no reputation. There's a, a theory called the kenosis theory or the kinetic theory. Anybody heard that terminology? The kinetic theory says that Christ emptied himself of some of his attributes while he was here on earth. I believe that to be heresy. 
Now, I, I, I'm not saying that makes people to be unsaved, but I believe that is a heretical view of Scripture. Uh, he limited the use of his attributes. He did not empty himself. He couldn't empty himself. Titus chapter number 1, God which cannot lie. We sometimes say God can do anything. I say it, you know, don't you? But the truth of the matter is, there are some things God cannot do in the sense of anything that would violate His own person or nature. He cannot do. God cannot lie. God cannot be uh, ungracious. God cannot be unloving. All those things are part of who He is. And if He didn't do that, then He wouldn't be God. He'd be less than perfect. And so Christ could not take His attributes and empty Himself of them he limited the use of those attributes. For instance, while he was walking the face of the earth prior to the resurrection, he didn't appear and disappear. He was in one place at a time. He was in the space-time continuum with his disciples as they walked along. They walked, he walked. They spent four hours doing something, he spent four hours doing something. But now in his resurrection body... He appeared in that upper room to the disciples and then disappeared. Appeared to the two Emmaus Road disciples and then disappeared. And so on down the line. So he limited himself to the, in the use of his attributes. He didn't do away with them. The fullness, as opposed to the vain, empty doctrine of Jewish and Gentile philosophers. There is a fullness in Christ suited to the empty destitute state of the human soul without Christ. A person without God is empty. They may not know it, but they are. Uh, there is, you know, we, and again, I'm going to say another thing that we use, and I've done sometime. We'll make a statement like this. There's a place in your heart only God can fill. And I, I think I know what we're saying. We're saying Christ is essential. But the fact of the matter is, He doesn't take part of you. He wants all of you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Bodies. Bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, the emptiness in man is answered by the fullness of Christ. Men are empty, and Jesus will fill you up. Uh, we do sing a song sometimes, fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. All this fullness. And I didn't bother to bring the, the creedal book with me, but the Athanasian Creed. And we're talking way, way back. And maybe around 400 or so. He said this, The Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. And you'll find the early church did a lot of, of creeds, statements of doctrine, to define specifically what they believed. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, virgin born, sinless life, sacrificial death, bodily resurrection, and bodily return. That's my faith. I have no problem saying that, and I have no problem living with that. 
as opposed to types and shadows, God is revealed in His fullness in Christ. He's manifest in, in the physical presence of Jesus Christ. When Jesus spoke, that was the voice of God. Notice what verse 10 says. He's full, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Uh, the word, therefore, of full or complete is where we get our word uh, uh, plethora. You know, there's a plethora of options. That means a lot of different things you can do, or a plethora amount of, of food. I guess you could use that terminology. A cornucopia, we use that. That term might be a little more familiar. But it means to make replete. Literally to cram a net full. Isn't that good? He's cramming a net full in you. Level up. Satisfy. You're complete in Him. All that you need spiritually, which is your, your biggest need, is answered in Christ. Every bit of it. We're complete in Him. The picture is of a ship. You know, they built wooden vessels in these days. I'm not sure how big they were. The, the ark was a pretty good-sized piece of artillery. Uh, but they, they would build these wooden ships, and they had to uh, uh, waterproof them. Had to be built a certain way. Had to be reinforced. You had to put the masts in them and, and get the canvas uh, uh, sails ready and all those kinds of things uh, before you could go to sea. You had to put plenty of, of uh, supplies on board. And, and uh, you don't, don't have the idea of just an open boat. These were boats where you could go down and get out of the weather and, and different things and find a place to sleep. That's what they built. And so the picture is of a ship fully rigged and equipped for the voyage. We're complete. We got everything we need to make the trip. Everything that we've got to have to get us to heaven, He's already given us. God gave us three things. He gave us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. He gave us the precious Bible. Then He gave us the New Testament local church. And those are the three things that every one of us needs and needs to be a part of. False teaching and philosophy leaves men empty and unsatisfied. How many of y'all had a course in philosophy? Come on now. Let me see some palms. All right. S.E.S. Percipi, do you remember that one? To be is to be known. And then they get this one. If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a noise? How silly can you get? That's what man's philosophy is about. Untying knots that don't matter. If there's nobody around, who cares if it made a noise or not? But the animals no doubt heard it. Well, you can't prove it. You can't get them to talk to you. Silly, silly, silly. In Christ, we are filled. In Christ, we are settled upon truth. Truth is exclusive. It allows for no options. If it's not true, it's untruth. And this Bible is the truth. And in Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the Bible says. And in Him all fullness dwells. And because He's full, we're full. We're complete in Him. We're not partially saved. We're all the way saved. 
God's not in the process of saving me. He's already saved me. Dr. Seitler used to say, you're two-thirds saved. First time I heard him say it, I thought, what's he talking about? He said, your soul and your spirit saved, but your body hadn't quite made it yet. We're still dragging this thing around. But it shall be, according to Romans chapter number 8, he has already seen us glorified. In our men's Bible study Monday night, we were talking about who did John see in Revelation 19. There's a, he hears this great multitude, and, and there's so many that it sounds like the thunderstorm in heaven with the saints of God shouting. And he didn't look out there and just see a, a mass of faceless blob-type people, you know. He saw us. Hebrews chapter number 12, Jesus died on the cross, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the, of the throne of God. Well, who's the joy, or what's the joy? Us. He died for us. And he was, according to Isaiah 53, see the travail of his soul and be satisfied with what he's bought. Sometimes I feel like we're a ragtag army, so to speak, you know, not much in the eyes of the world. Then I remember who bought us. I remember whose side we're on. Amen. When it comes time to fight, he's going to say, get on them horses, children. And we're going to come down out of heaven. And the general, the king of kings and lord of lords is going to do the fighting. And we're going to do the cheering. Won't be anything for us to do. We're, we're complete in him. I don't have to earn my salvation. It's already been given. I need to uh, work at some things in my life and sanctification and uh, dedication and consecration. But in salvation, it, that's done. That's total. It's, it's, it's stamped paid in full. For us to be filled, he must be the fullness of the Godhead. And he is. Verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Then he goes on and talks about being buried with him in baptism. Time's getting away. But let me give you this right quick. The circumcision he's talking about, it's not a removal of some skin and flesh. We're all adults here. We understand what we're talking about. But he's talking about cutting off the body of sin, doing away. When you get saved, you get a new nature. The old nature is abandoned. It doesn't get saved. It doesn't get born again. You get a new nature, a new man on the inside. And so what's going to happen, there's already been the, the cut made because we're, we're, we're joined with Christ. But that moment that you leave this world and you leave behind your old flesh nature, that circumcision will be total and complete. When the rapture takes place, we're going to leave behind the fleshly body and have a glorified, perfect body. We're to be separated unto Christ. That which disconnects us, that alone, being separated unto Christ, is, is that which separates us from the world. I'll use a little illustration and then I'll be done. If... God is over here, and the world's over here, and here I am in the middle. And I hear the voice of the world, and I turn that direction. What am I doing? Turning my back on God. And I'm separating 
from him and separating unto the world. Uh, but as a born-again man with a hunger, weak and frail though we may be, we turn our face towards our Savior. We're leaving the world behind us. We need to quit looking where the world is and see how far they've gone and gauge in our spirituality by how close we are to them. We're to gauge our spirituality, not how far we are away from the world, but how close we are to God, being separated unto Him, which means the things of the world will just drop off on their own. When I got saved, a fellow came to my house with a pound of marijuana. And he came through the door and said, we're going to get high, high, high. And I said, I need to tell you something. And I started telling him what Jesus had done for me. And he just looked at me real odd and backed out the door. Didn't think I'd ever hear you talk like that. And off he went. And I didn't see him for over 20 years. When I saw him, he'd gotten right with God. But I didn't have, listen, I didn't have to turn my back on him. I didn't have to turn my back on pot smoking. I was turned into Jesus. And the rest of that stuff just went away. Didn't have an appetite for it. Didn't want it again. Wasn't interested in the buzz. I was interested in something else called Jesus. I was interested in worship and trying to find out what I, what I could do in worship. I was interested in praying and spending time talking to Him and coming into His presence. Now, I haven't been perfect at it, but I've never wanted to go back to how I lived. Never wanted to. Jesus set me free. Hallelujah. May we pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I'm ashamed of the things I did before I got converted. I'm so glad they are under the blood as well as all my present and future sins. Hallelujah. What a Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.